This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Now, it's very hard for an investor or layman to appreciate that fee as you've described it, right? An average of 25%. In long-term rentals, the fee can range, if you've got a large portfolio, it could be 2.5% or 2%. Usually it's 3%. Uh, often, if it's a smaller portfolio, it could be 5%, maybe 7%. So if you're on the other side of this, it feels like a great idea to go and run a vacation rental management business because you're gonna make so much cash flow. The, the obvious naive is, approaches, well, rather than buying one property, I could just manage four and get the same cash flow as if I you know, did the one. Could you walk us through why the fees are so high? What's actually involved in managing uh, a short-term vacation rental? Uh, you know, are, they, are they charging these fees because they can get away with it? Uh, what are their profit margins like? Uh, or or is, is it a business that's very hard to actually succeed in because of the cost structure? We, yeah, I mean, transparently speaking, um, we've had a lot of copycats uh, in the markets that we've been in that think, oh, I can charge 20, 25%, you know, it's it's easy money. Um, it, honestly, it is not. The reason why we're able to do it at such scale is because we've invested into building a lot of tech infrastructure that runs our day-to-day operations, that automates a significant portion of our day-to-day operations. You know, we tried using third-party platforms that did not kind of, fit the the investment base scenario that, we're, uh, that we were solving for. So we built our own property management system, our own access system that sets law codes to properties that get uh, our own security system, uh, a lot of our own kind of maintenance systems. We had to invest into all of that to, to be able to do it at scale. And the reason short-term rental operators charge more because it's still just a much more active, uh, high-touch business. Um, you know, we, you can get a phone call from a guest at 2 a.m. that you need to respond to because if you don't respond in time, that guest will leave you a two-star review, which is a huge negative towards your opportunity to generate the best revenue possible on this asset. So it's much more uh, hands-on. You have to manage cleaners. You have to deal with guests that uh, leave the property in conditions that um, you can't imagine. Um, you know, we've had people uh, literally use some of our properties uh for a pig style, like literally have an emotional support animal that they said they were bringing, you know, we of course can't say anything about it. And then it turns out it was a pig um, and definitely smelled like a pig style after they checked out. So uh, there's different things that you have to deal with that you don't deal with on the, on the, on the long-term rental basis. Now, the good thing is that there's also some additional protections that you have uh, with short-term rentals. There's no such things as like the, you uh, evictions you can evict people in short-term rentals in the way we structure our deals so there's you don't have to worry about things like that uh, so there's some upside there but overall it's a much more active day-to-day business 24 7 business honestly than your traditional okay i'm gonna place this tenant i'll make sure that col- we collect their payments you know once a month if they have any questions we'll get back to them when it's convenient for us um, we have to do the opposite we have to get back to the guest when it's convenient for the guest when you have that critical mass, three to five, I think is what you said. What, what are some of the roles that you need to start thinking about in hiring? When you can't be doing this anymore yourself, 
where do you outsource and where do you hire full time? My 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 best recommendation in when when you get to that stage is to start looking at virtual assistants. Um, usually, kind of based in the in the Philippines, so it's where we've seen the best success. So the one the first thing I always tell people that they should be doing is looking at a virtual assistants that can kind of help them with the day to day yes communication. Um, that's the kind of most proactive piece of the operation. Um, so. Uh, there's there's some great websites out there where you can find uh, some really strong virtual assistants out of the Philippines whose English transparently is a lot of times better than some some native speakers here in the, in the states uh, that have already kind of done this and do this for multiple groups. Um, they are a great resource uh, to utilize. So virtual assistants uh, are great to really kind of own the the guest guest communication. The biggest thing to be aware there with virtual assistants is that you really need to create a a playbook uh, for them where they have to be trained by you on how to address every type of scenario that they might encounter and what they do. If you do a really good job building up this playbook, they'll do a they'll do a great job. Really, their their effectiveness will depend on how well of a how much how well how good your playbook is that you put together. So that's always kind of my first go to look at virtual assistants. Their options are cheap um, and they're highly effective. That's a great idea. What about the maintenance side? You can't outsource that to the Philippines. You, you, you have to have someone available in, in the climate, at least, you know, when we're filming this. There's a labor shortage and it's very difficult to find competent maintenance staff. How do you handle issues? If you don't handle a key issue, your vacation rental is sitting there empty and not generating no. revenue. Yeah, that, that is probably the hardest part uh, about our business right now. The first thing you have to do is you have to, you can't uh, take shortcuts uh, with cleaning. You have to find somebody and you have to be willing to pay them a, a very healthy at, um, not hourly rate, probably up to $20 per hour, which might sound crazy to some people, but that that's what it requires. You need to, you need to, you know, do a good job of, uh, paying an appropriate fee for these for these resources because uh, they are your eyes and ears on the ground um, when they're cleaning the property. So um, there are luckily there are some some platforms out there that we recommend using uh, for short term rentals. There's a great platform called Turnover BNB. Uh, so T U R N O V R B N B dot com. That's a marketplace for cleaners uh, and soon to be maintenance personnel. Um, Highly recommend using them. Um, it, you can find some very good, highly qualified cleaners there that do this for a living, uh, and they're able to, you know, service multiple properties at once, which will keep them busy. Because um, that's the biggest thing with short-term rentals. You know, you can't guarantee them any amount of work because of guest booking one day or booking a month at a time. So uh, you have to find cleaners uh, that have enough work. Um, if you only have a handful of properties, luckily for us, we have a large portfolio, so we we can you know hire. We have cleaning and maintenance on staff, um, so that works for us. But if you're not in that situation, I highly recommend uh, Turnover BNB as a as a resource for you to find those those vendors because they'll they they know what they're doing. They're already vetted by Turnover BNB and they're nationwide. And could you talk to the benefits of having density of uh rentals in one location 
uh, is there sort of a golden rule in terms of how far apart a rental should be from another rental so you can benefit from scale? Because it makes no sense. I mean, it might make sense, but obviously there's more juice to squeeze if you have two rentals that you manage close together versus two further away because then you've got to have different cleaning crews and it just takes longer to go visit and, and you know, do handovers. Any, any, thoughts, on, any thoughts on clustering and uh, ge ge the geographical segmentation of rentals? Uh, there, there's no denying the fact that having kind of geographical density uh, makes operations simpler. Um, so as much as you can do that, um, the better. You know, we've seen, you know, usually if you can keep properties within a five mile radius, um, that that has been great. We have, you know, we now have some buildings where we have an entire building that's just short term rentals or, or mid term rentals, monthly rentals. Luckily for us, we we have built out some technology that, that I kind of alluded to earlier that allows us to launch a new market with only one or two properties. So we've, but that's because we've built the technology to do so and built the vendor market markets to be able to service that. Uh, but that's you know an advantage that we have because of technology we've built. Um, if, if we didn't have the technology, we wouldn't be able to expand as much as we have. Uh, we would need to kind of aim for that density first before being able to do so. And Amir, as you start to grow the relationships that you have with landlords or investors, how does and how should a property manager handle investor communications? How should the updates look? How often should there be updates? And how do you set a healthy relationship? Because a lot of people get this wrong when it comes to uh, property management and investor relationships. Yeah, I mean, uh, the property manager or the investor needs to look at the property manager as, as a partner, not just as a, a property manager in the kind of uh, traditional term when, hey, these guys are taking care of my property. You really need to be uh, an extension of their revenue goals, right? You need to be helping them and providing them with the data and the tools that they need uh, to continuously grow their portfolio because most of the investors want to grow their portfolio. They need assistance. Uh, and as a property manager, you're really well set up to do that. So, uh, you know, what that what, what does that mean? If you if, if you can create a cadence to review potential properties for that investor to buy, create it. Um, being proactive there will help you grow your portfolio. Uh, any kind of data uh, that you can provide to the investor about the market, how, what you're seeing, uh, and any potential properties they'll they'll enjoy. It's really all about proactive communication. Um, if you're reporting. Uh, with, with any issues that are that might be happening on the property level, it's be proactive, give them the data, and be a partner, not you know an enemy, which a lot of times it feels like for the investor. How how do you decide uh, when to bother your investors about you know um, things that go on? Because I'm sure you have horror stories. You alluded to you know someone bringing in a pig into an apartment and it smelled like a, a pigsty, right? Um, what, what's the right balance between? the appropriateness of updating them on every little situation versus, um, you know, having, uh, well, but they don't want information overload, right? Something I struggle with is some of my managers I work with overload me with incident reports and, you know, it, it stresses me out. As an owner, the last thing right. I want to hear is there was a fire in this unit and there was water damage, etc. And I'm like, thanks for the update. So what do you need from me? Oh, nothing. Just give me an update. Insurance working on it. I'm like, okay, I wish you didn't tell me this. <laughs> you know, if, if this is within the budget and it's being managed well, then I'm happy. What I'm not happy about though is surprises, right? There was a hurricane and we now need a new roof. 
and you should have told me about this rather than you know waiting till the very end so how do you balance uh and decide when to update regarding incidents and when not to yeah honestly that's uh that's a little bit more complicated because it depends on the investor uh some people want to be updated on a continuous basis they want to know everything they almost it almost feels like they're micromanaging others just want to know that things are taken care of so it's really kind of early on setting uh the um the the relationship and the expectations with the investor so everybody's on the same page understanding what they're looking for we have a customer success team that you know after a, you know a contract is signed with an investor they meet with our customer success team and understand how this individual how this investor wants to be communicated with uh and we do our best to kind of you know uh give them the, the communication level that they want some people want too much data and a lot of times we say we can't do that um but uh we're able usually able to find kind of a good common ground that everybody's happy with um other things that help us we we have some uh some dashboards that we've built out for them that they can log in at any time and get the most important information that they need to know and get informed and have the ability to ask us questions if they have it um if they have any um so really uh it's understanding how the investor wants to be communicated to and then giving them tools that they can get the information that they that they want uh at their disposal most investors are just happy to be to know that one you've handled it and you can tell them at the end of the month when you send out your you know your monthly summary um or some people don't even want to know as long as the money's coming in and everything's on budget um uh, so it really just depends on on the group uh so the customer success piece that is important great this has been uh, very helpful very very good insights shared uh amir how can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you Yeah, I mean, uh, highly encourage anybody who's interested in short-term rentals to check out uh, our website, repu.com. Um, you know, it, we are doing a, a, a redesign that we're launching next month, so it's, it'll be different today than what you'll see uh, in, in, in late February. Uh, but I do encourage people who are interested in the short-term rental space to check out data.rabu.com, D-A-T-A.rabu, R-A-B-B-U.com. That's our tool that we built that you type in an address and a bedroom account. We give you the comp set for short-term rentals. Uh, and you can see what the uh, revenue opportunity is there. Uh, there's some triggers there if you want to reach out to us and ask us any questions. You can do so through uh, through that tool. But um, it's a free tool; doesn't cost anything. Uh, and we have people using it for all kinds of things, whether they're evaluating short-term rentals, they're looking at how other short-term rentals are pricing uh, in, in their area, um, and just looking for investment properties. I would encourage anybody who's interested in that data from 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 our site. Great, right? Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Zane. It's been a pleasure.